Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. He's saying to her, Hannah, why are you crying? What's your problem? I'm giving you flowers. I'm not giving her flowers. Hey, baby, you got me. And if you got me, you got everything. (laughs) Where my fellas at? (laughs) You got me. You got everything. You don't need nothing else. I'm all you need. What's your problem? Hannah's thinking, Elkanah, you don't get it. You just don't get it. You know, I think of the woman at the well. Jesus told her, And she had five husbands, and the man she was currently with is not your husband. Jesus told her, you're drinking at the wrong well. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, lady, you need to come to me. Elkanah, you don't get it. You don't get it. My heart is seeking to connect with the Lord. It's not really about you. it's It's not about you. And we notice in our text that we don't have Hannah's answer to Elkanah's statement, do we? He says, hey, listen, what's your problem? You got me. I'm all you need. Hannah probably is like, whatever. Anyway, there's no answer to the statement. Did you get that? None at all. Verse nine tells us after they had eaten and partaken of a sacrifice, Eli, the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple or the tabernacle. Verse 10 tells us she was in bitterness of soul. This is important. It doesn't say she was bitter at the Lord or at anyone. It says the condition of the soul. She was in bitterness of soul. In other words, you can be worn out in your soul. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can be worn out in your soul. There are days when you say, Lord, where is your love? I need grace. That's the time when you go to the cross and you pray. Verse 10 tells us she prayed to the Lord. Hannah knows where to pour her heart. She poured her heart out to the Lord, not to her husband. Why? Because he wasn't getting it. And also because in this situation, her husband wasn't her help. Her husband couldn't help her. Why? Because he's not God. Ladies, this one's for you. Your husband is not God. I didn't really expect that response. I was going to go a whole nother way, but then y'all threw me off. Your husband is not or ever going to be all you need. No man is supposed to be everything you need. Ladies, listen. God did not give you a husband to meet your deepest need in your life. Only the Lord Jesus can meet your deepest need in your life. There are some things that God wants you to pour. Listen, there are some things, ladies, that I'm just trying to help you, that's all. There are some things that only God can help you with. And there are some things that God wants you to pour out your heart and your soul to him. 
You need to be sure that you have a relationship with Jesus. You don't follow the Lord because your husband follows the Lord. You follow the Lord because you love God and you have a relationship with the Lord. And your husband loves God. Somebody need to hear me. Your husband loves God and he has a relationship with the Lord. So he's following the Lord. And somehow you guys both come together because you're both following the Lord. And then you start following the Lord together. But you can't look. I'll wait. You can't look to your husband to be all that you need. There's certain areas in your life God does not, will not allow your husband to be fulfilling, to be able to fulfill. God didn't design it that way. You need to pour your heart out to him. And even if you were to pour your heart out to your husband, like Elkanah, he wouldn't get it. He ain't supposed to get it. Because God wants you to come to him. And ladies, I will tell you, the husbands did not pay me to say that. I just want to go on record to say that. I wasn't paid. Hannah poured out her heart to the Lord of hosts. Look at verse 11. She made a vow and she said, oh, Lord of hosts. Again, the first time these words roll off the lips of a person, she said, Lord of hosts or Lord of angels, Lord of the stars of heaven, Lord of all mankind, Lord of hosts. If you will look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life from the day of his birth. No razor shall come upon his head. Now, listen, this is an incredible vow for a couple of reasons. Number one, because there's a hint that she knows of the story of Samson cutting his hair. Number two, according to genealogy tables, Elkanah or Elkanah was a Kohatite, which means he was a Levite, which means that Samuel was going to be a Levite. Levites served in the temple of the Lord for approximately 25 years. That was their like tour of duty from 25 to 50. And so here Hannah says, Lord, are y'all getting this? I'm not going to give him to you for 25 years. I'm going to give him to you all his life. From the day he's born. I'm going to offer him to you from the day that he's born, the day that he comes as Lord into the world. God, I'll give you this boy from the day of his birth. Now, Hannah's desire, listen, and God's plan have come into harmony. Because in this day of judges, in this day of transition, in this day when every man is doing what is right in his own eyes, God is looking for a man, not from the time he's 30, but God wants a man from birth. God is looking for someone very specific. God is going to use a baby to change the course of a nation, and that baby has to be his from conception. Chapter 2, verse 21 tells us Hannah had four more kids, but this first one belongs to God. Are you getting me? Verse 12, while she was praying, look at verse 12. While she was praying, Eli is watching her from a distance and watching her lips move, but no voice was heard by Eli. It was heard by God. This statement is very telling. Keep in mind they're at the tabernacle in Shiloh. And, or the temple in Shiloh, and 
The temple has become a place, as I told you, of ill repute and flesh and carnality. So Eli looks over at Hannah moving her lips and he thinks she's drunk, which tells us this is the kind of women that were hanging around the temple. She's at the temple praying. No words are coming out of her mouth. It was John Bunyan who said it is better to have a heart with no words than words with no heart. James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Verse 14, look at it. She's praying in her heart. Eli says, how long are you going to be drunk? Verse 15, Hannah says, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I'm not pouring anything into a glass. I'm pouring out my soul to God. She said, don't look at me like one of these women hanging around here. I'm pouring out my heart to God. Eli must have felt real stupid about this point. Verse 17, go in peace and the God of Israel give you what you ask for. Keep in mind, he doesn't know what she asked for. Then Hannah said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And so the woman went her way and she ate and her face was no longer sad. Obviously, Hannah received Eli's words of prophetic as prophetic. And she isn't sad anymore. Somewhere she walked away knowing that God heard her. Notice in verse 19, then they arose early in the morning. If you're looking at verse 19, say I'm looking at it. Then they rose up early in the morning, they worshiped before the Lord and returned and they came to the house at Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name, who saints? Samuel saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now, the man Elkanah, And all of his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there. How long? Forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only Let the Lord establish his word. And then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And then they slaughtered a bull and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord for this child. I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. Or actually, that's a bad translation. That's a bad word. It's he should, he's given to the Lord. Completely given, wholly given to the Lord forever. So they worship the Lord there. So the prophecy of Eli has come to pass. Give me your attention. And Hannah bore a son, called his name Samuel, which means Heard of God, heard of God, Sama, a little Hebrew lesson for you, Sama in Hebrew is heard, S-A-M-A, Sama in Hebrew is heard, El is God, heard of God, Samuel, heard of God. 
God turned barrenness into a blessing. Interesting, the book of Samuel opens with the cry of a godly woman while the people are crying for a king, Hannah's crying for a child. God gave her that child, and every time she called him for dinner, it was a reminder of the faithfulness of God. Look at verse 21. Elkanah went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice. Hannah didn't go. She knew one day she'd have to go and drop the boy off at Shiloh with Hophni and Phinehas, their bad influence. She said, not until the child is weaned, and then I, I'll appear before the Lord. Now, in that culture, a child was weaned somewhere around two to four years old. Verse 23, O'Connor said, okay, just be obedient to the Lord, and don't forget the vow that you made. Remember, the child is the Lord's. And that's a good word for all of us. Our children belong to the Lord. You're a steward over your child. You will one day give an account on how you raised your children. And that's why it's important to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the, of the Lord. I wish all parents understood the reality of parental stewardship. The reality of parental stewardship. Parents don't get it these days. And I know they don't get it because of the things that they let their kids watch on TV and the movies. I know they don't get it because the music they let their kids listen to and the concerts they let their kids go to and the books they let their kids read. Nowadays, parents are partying and hanging out in the club with their children. This is not good. It is not good. An African proverb says, the ruin of a nation begins in the houses of its people. Confucius said the strength of a nation is derived from the integrity of its homes. It doesn't take a village to raise a child. Listen, it takes a mom and a dad who are sold out for Jesus, who knows what's right and wrong biblically and are committed to do what is right and wrong. It, it, no matter what, no matter what the ebb and flow of the culture is, the culture does not determine godly behavior. Yeah. I'm right about it. Parents, your children, your child does not need another buddy. Did you hear me? Your child does not need another buddy. They got plenty of buddies. They need a parent. I'm not nor ever have tried to be my kid's buddy. I would rather go to war with you and you not like me, then be your buddy, and you like me, and I watch you ruin your life. Am I right about that? People try to be, you can be your kid's buddy? Hopefully, this is how it works. If you raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, you raise them to love God, you raise them in the things of God, and, 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 and you develop a relationship based on the things of God, and, and, and then they know that you love them, and they know that you're a parent first, what will happen is you'll wind up their buddy. I like to think I'm my kid's buddy. Am I your buddy? He's like, well, well, the jury's still out on that one. 
<laughs> I don't know, but you know, I like to think I am. But listen, even if I'm not, I know that I can say that I have done the best that I could because I have walked it out before my children. I have lived a godly Christian life before my kids, and, and I have done everything within me that my kids not see hypocrisy at home and see a different behavior at church. People ask my kids, okay, I'll wait. Two people, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. People have asked my kids, they tell me. People have asked my kids, they say, now, how is Pastor Rodney at home? How is he, how, how is he really at home? Same way he's at church. My kids don't see the difference in me at home and at church. They, they don't. It's the same Pastor Rodney, to them it's dad. And by the way, this whole first name basis thing with parents and kids, y'all need to knock that off. <laughs> Not gonna do it. Nope, 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 ain't no first name basis. Nope, nope, nope. I'm not your equal. I never will be. I'll be dead. And I'm still not your equal. <laughs> Parents, where you at? You'll be saying, Mom, Dad died. But you will not be calling me Rodney. I just think the order and authority is honestly, ooh, I'm bothered by it lately. I'm bothered by it. Order and authority is the missing jewel in the church. In the family, the most important thing in the family, listen, is not communication. The most important thing in the family structure is order. If everybody knows their place, communication will just happen. But if you're trying to function from a place of communication first and you don't have order, well, then everybody's going to be communicating with people and each other the wrong way. You got to start with order because God starts with order. Let there be light. He didn't start making trees before he made lights. <laughs> Hallelujah. He didn't. <laughs> that just makes sense to me. Order and authority. Everybody's, oh, nobody understands order. And that's why everything is so crazy. Because we won't be orderly about our lives and orderly about the things that we're doing. You're not your kid's buddy. You're not their friend. Your mom, your dad. First. And hopefully, we'll end up friends. But if not, hey. Come on, somebody. Yo. We've got to get this. We've got to get this. This is why the nation is in trouble. It all starts right here. Right here. In this room. With y'all. Not me, y'all. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it starts right, it does, with the families is what I'm telling you. 
It starts with the families. So in verse 24, I'll come in right here. Verse 24 through 28, they dedicated Samuel to God's service. They brought three bulls for slaughter and a son for service. Verse 28, they worshiped the Lord there. Worship is a repeated characteristic of this family. Even in difficult situations, they can worship the Lord. Think about this. A mother's prayer and a father's encouragement change the destiny of an entire nation. A mother's prayer and a father's encouragement. Hey, Hannah, obey God. Sweetie, keep your vow. Do what you said you're going to do for the Lord. A mother's prayer, a father's encouragement. Change the course of a nation. God doesn't need many. Actually, in God's economy, many is too many. God always uses the few. We look to many. Some men trust in chariots, and some men trust in horses, the many. But we will trust in who? A mother's prayer, a father's encouragement. Change the course of the entire nation. Listen, can I encourage you? Make sure, block it off, exit off on your calendar. Wednesday night is church. We're going through Samuel together. Very, very proud of you, by the way, um, in, in Nehemiah. Very proud of you that we started Nehemiah together. We finished Nehemiah together. Church was packed on the last day we finished it. It was packed on the first day we started. Remember that, y'all? And I was really, really proud of you. And, and, and that's the kind of resolve and the commitment that you have to have if you're going to grow in the Lord. Now, if you're not going to grow in the Lord, well, then you'll just be all over the place. But you really, uh, you're not going to really get to where you want to be. If you want to be a godly man and you want to begin to have the mind of Christ, then you got to start making God a priority in your life. You got to start making God a priority. Just like you make the gym a priority and you make whatever you're going to do a priority and you make, then you have to make God a priority. And if you make God a priority, then he'll make you a priority. And if you ask him, he will give to you. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God and he will give it and he will not Give it sparingly, he will give it liberally. God wants to bless you in this new season. I am so convinced. God wants to bless you in this new season. Calvary Chapel, you mark this day, write it down. It's a new season for this church. Everything at this point begins to turn on its heels. All for the glory of God. I'm as shocked as you are. I'm holding on as you are. I don't know what's going to be tomorrow just like you don't. I don't know the results of Nehemiah Project just like you don't. I'm trusting the Lord. And I told God a long time ago, when I came here, God, I was trusting you. And when you take me home, I will be trusting you. And everything in between. And doing what God called me to do and teaching the word of God. You get here on Wednesday night. You make it a priority. Get here. Let's go through this book together. Let's study the word together. 
Let's grow together. Let's finish well together. Because the book gets better and better. The influence that a godly mom, watch this, I'm going to let you out. The influence, I said that five minutes ago, the influence of a godly mom, okay, what does it mean when a preacher says in closing? Nothing, absolutely nothing. (laughs) We're going to see the influence of a godly mom and what that influence can have over her children between birth and four years. She only has four years with Samuel. That's it. Remember she said, I'm giving them to the Lord. That's it. In an atmosphere with Hophni and Phinehas, who would do this? And he winds up changing the course of a nation. She's going to leave this kid in a tabernacle in circumstances that are less than wholesome. And this boy has the ability to hear the voice of God. Hannah, in just a few short years, has woven into the fabric of his life things that will stay with him for the rest of his life. And thank God there was a mom back then who was dead serious about her responsibility to her little prophet that God gave her. You cannot miss this book. You've got to get here. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.